This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another special edition of Rocker Report. Today we are very lucky to be speaking to a classy striker who joined Sunderland 27 years ago. He went on to make 134 appearances for the club under three different managers and scored 41 goals along the way. Today I'm very pleased to be speaking to Phil Gray. Welcome, Phil. Thank you very much. Uh, great to speak to you. We've been uh, we've been uh, waiting to speak to you for quite a while. So how have you been keeping? Yeah, I'm keeping fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm keeping well. What are you up to these days? Not a lot, really. Well, I've got my own business in the cycle industry and things like that. So, and just pottering along <laughs> nicely. I was going to say, I imagine in the recent climate, it's uh, it's doing quite well because it seems like everyone's taking it up. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it's doing very well, actually. Brilliant. Well, I mean, before we get into your career, because uh, it was I mean, fantastic career, but um, <laughs> the first one I want to tick off the list is the nickname Tippy. So, okay. Yeah. How far? How far does that go back? That goes back till it was when it was about nine years of age, <laughs> and everybody has seems to call me it. There's not a lot of people that still doesn't call me it. <laughs> well, I don't noticed in your in your communications and, and things. Even you use it for yourself. So I do, indeed, yeah, I do. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I want to get into your time at Sunderland, obviously. But I'd like to start with kind of how you ended up coming over from Northern Ireland as an apprentice at Tottenham as a 17, 18-year-old in 1986. I mean, did they have a school of excellence or something over there, or was it just a scout who, who spotted you? Uh, well, I was, at, I was at Arsenal as a kid, really. Uh, I was at Arsenal since I was probably 13. And what happened is, probably when I hit 15, I probably wasn't the best-behaved child. And... Uh, Flying over from Belfast uh, every school holidays, they more or less gave me a, an ultimatum to settle down a little bit when I came over. Obviously, it wasn't nothing bad. It was just they were a bit, little bit regimented mm. and things like that. And uh, I just used to not mess about a little bit. And uh, they ended up turning and saying, if you don't get me act together, they'll let me go. And that's what they did. But uh, I knew that the Glasgow Rangers were... Waiting in the wings, they've wanted me for a lot when I played for Nyland School Boys and things like that and the youth team. So I went straight there, and because uh, there was a few of uh, Nyland School Boys had signed for them, so I went there for about six months. And then uh, Tottenham, they wanted me to go on trial, but Rangers wanted me to sign for them, so I took the gamble and ended up going to Spurs for the week's trial. And I went there and I done. Quite well for the week. 
scored a hat trick for the youth team on on the Saturday, and they wanted to send me straight away. So I flew back home to Belfast, and they flew over on the Sunday night, and I signed a, a one year apprentice and one year pro. I mean, what I read, I mean, obviously, that first season you got right into it. I mean, David Plate was the manager for that first season in 86-87. And, I mean, that, that season you ended up making your league debut for Spurs against Everton at Goodison in a game that was five days before the FA Cup final where Spurs were beaten by Coventry. I mean, that must have been incredible to play and chain along the, you know, the likes of Glenn Oddle, Ozzy Ardiles, Clive Allen, Chris Waddle. And, and that was kind of your first season as a professional as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, some of them players. I mean, even you, you let you missed one out there who, I, who I've always read it was people like Paul Allen and Mickey Hazard. I mean, Mickey Hazard, what he could do with football was unbelievable. He was he was frightening. But you, some of the names you mentioned there, like Ozzie Diles and Glenn Adle, and they were unbelievable. And them days, they were top of the tree, really. Yeah, it was it was amazing when I was looking back through the list. I mean, I, I even noticed Richard Goff signed that season. I mean, what yeah, Goffey, I got on really well with Goffey. Yeah, he took me under his wing a little bit. Goffey, he was brilliant. Yeah, Mickey Hazard, I think for Sunderland fans, he's one that got away because um, oh. I don't know whether, <laughs> he, he was from. He was away, he, seriously, he, he was brilliant. Mickey he was so down to earth, absolutely fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I love the man. Yeah, amazing how he didn't play for Sunderland. <laughs> Should have at some point. <laughs> it is. It's amazing how he never played for England. Yeah, yeah, brilliant player. Um, lasted for years at, at Tottenham as well. I mean, I read that as well quite early on in your time at Tottenham. You, you were also involved in quite a serious car incident that kept you out for a lengthy period of time where it actually, from what I read, it took a few specialists to finally realise what the problem was and get you back playing. I mean, did that hold you back at Tottenham in those early days? I think it did, yeah. Uh, that happened around probably... Just I think it was about eighteen, and uh, yeah, I was I was in a hit and run accident, and uh, I didn't. I think I've seen about five or six specialists, and none of them knew what was wrong. And I went to they took me to Cambridge, and I seen a Mr. Maggot. He was a consultant surgeon, and he says, "Look, there's nothing else really you can do except open me up and have a look inside." And I says, "Go for it." And he opened me up, and I was a bit of bone that broke off my pelvis. And it was stuck into my muscle, buried into my muscle. And so he just ended up cutting it out. And uh, then from then, it probably took me probably about six to eight months to get back to playing again. But I was out for nearly two years, 18 months. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at that stage of your career, it must have kind of a huge effect on your progression. It did because obviously it, it was mental as well because it, every time I kept coming back to train, I just kept breaking down because I couldn't turn because my muscle wouldn't stretch. So it just kept breaking down. And lucky for me that uh, Mr. Maggot went in and done the surgery. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of that first year, David Pleat was replaced by by Terry Venables uh, at Tottenham. And he returned to England after three years at Barcelona. And I mean, at this time, everyone kind of looked at Terry Venables as a manager or a coach. who was a bit ahead of his time in some respects. I mean, was there a big change at the club when Terry Venables was appointed? It was. I mean, he brought, obviously, he brought uh, two players with him, Gary Lineker and uh, Naeem, who were fantastic signings for the club and then especially Gary Lineker coming coming back from Barcelona but uh, yeah Terry Venables he was yeah you could see in his setup and just the way he was a manager just the respect that he had from every player yeah yeah, did it did it show his experience kind of on the training pitch? Did he have all those new ideas he brought back from from Spain? Yeah, he did. He said he had uh, some fantastic training methods. His coaching was fantastic, and his man management was probably even better. 
but he, yeah, he was excellent. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, you you kept obviously progressing. I mean, with the injuries we, we talked about, and or with the you know the incident as well. But you have a couple of brief loan spells at the likes of you know Barnsley and Fulham. But you keep making kind of appearances for Spurs as they bring in the likes of Paul Gascoigne, and you mentioned Gary Lineker, and, and you actually played. Um, during the FA Cup run in 1991 when Spurs eventually won the Cup and you came on as a sub during the fifth round tie at Portsmouth when Tottenham had to come down from behind to win 2-1 with uh, Gascoigne scoring both goals and I, I was watching the highlights back for this and you were the first to, to join Gascoigne and Lineker yeah, to celebrate was, that yeah, second. To be honest, I, I wasn't too far away from him, I think. Thank yeah. God I didn't get there before him because I may have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> you were just behind him, weren't you, when he finished yeah. it off? But I mean, that was... That must have been a great experience to play with the likes of those two players at that time. Oh, fantastic! I mean, Gazer was different class. I mean, as just not as a as a as a player, but as a person. I mean, people you see him in the paper now, but personally, I know him personally, and he's he, he'd give you his last he'd give you his last shoelace or his last penny. He is that sort of a person. He's such a kind-hearted man. He's done he done me a lot of favors when I was a young lad. He looked after me like. Like you wouldn't believe. Mm. Growing up when I was in the youth, uh, when I was growing up in the first in the first team in this in the first team squad and travelled a lot because then in them days it was only only two substitutes and most of the substitutes would be either me or Vinnie somewheres or I would always travel and I would always be the thirteenth man sitting in the stand and mm. he'd always put come on the bus on the way back he'd come down and put his arm around me and say look just bide your time bide your time. Mm. But he was that sort of a person, Gaza. Yeah, I mean, he was absolutely fantastic in that cup run. He kind of dragged Tottenham to the FA Cup final that year. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. He, 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 he did. We have a hit and it was a shame what happened to him in the semi-final. But... Yeah. yeah. Was it, um, I mean, was there ever a sniff of you maybe getting on the bench of the final or, or even the semi Well, to be honest, uh, I was a little bit disappointed that it wasn't because obviously it was on the bench for that for the Portsmouth game. And uh, then obviously I think it was uh, Paul, they brought Paul Walsh back now. Whether or not he just thought I didn't have the experience to sit on the bench, he probably wanted Walshy, which was, to be honest, Walshy was a great player as well. Mm. But uh, it's one of them things. Football, you're in one minute and you're out the next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, because by that point you were there, kind of four or five years, and get getting your game. But did you start realizing that you might have to leave to get first team football? I did. Yeah, I did. I mean, I used to speak to Chrissy Waddle a lot, and he used to tell me, "Send me go and knock on the manager's door." But and. You play you had England's number nine, Gary Lineker, <laughs> playing for England. What can you do? You've just got to bide your time. You just got to, uh, and if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. And then if you move on, you you move on, and it's your career. You you want to play football week in week out. I mean, it's in them times. I've, I think I'd had enough of the reserves. I've probably been in the reserves for two three years. But I mean, even the Spurs reserve team in them days were like. Ian Culverhouse and Mark Bowen and Ollie Dick and Sean Close and John Munker and oh the names loads of names that went on that left Spurs and went on to make fantastic careers themselves. Yeah, yeah, some great players. There. I mean, because in the end it was it was David Pleat who spent about two hundred seventy five thousand to take you to Luton Town in the summer of nineteen ninety one. I mean, was that move? All about hooking up again with with David Pleat, or was other offers on the table? There was other offers on the table. In fact, I could have went to three or four clubs then. Mm. To be honest, Spurs didn't want me to go. They wanted me to stay, but I wanted to go. I always said I always had a bit of a uh, a time scale in my head of when I get to twenty one. If I'm not in the team 
or at least playing, I don't know, 15, 16 to 20 games a season, then I, I would like to leave. And uh, I actually gave myself an extra year because I was out for, I was injured for that lengthy time. So I actually left when I was 22, but it was, it was my decision and I could have went to a few clubs. Mm. But it was David Plate that, that uh, took me to Luton, that, that I knew because I knew David from uh, obviously Spurs. So, yeah. and I knew what he was all about. Yeah, I mean, does that help when you know that a manager is signing you already knows what you, what your game is and what you're all about? Yeah, to be honest, uh, David played obviously he used to give me tell me wonderful things that I yeah. what I could do and this and that and the other and how well I played and things like that. So he was a he gave me a lot of confidence. I think he believed in me when he took me from Spurs, obviously in the old first division to Luton. Yeah, well, in that first season, I mean, you played. You only played fourteen games in the first season of Luton, as as they were relegated from the first division. But in your second season, um, you ended up as top scorer with twenty goals. In what was really, I mean, looking back, it was really kind of your first full season as a first team regular. Even though Luton kind of struggled in the in the second tier, with you, but you scored twenty goals. And in the November of that season, a Sunderland legend, Billy Bingham, uh, gave you your debut for Northern Ireland. I think it was against. Denmark, when I've been looking it up, at Windsor Park. I mean, that must have been a huge moment in your career as well. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Just to come on, uh, I think it was, was it 22? Yeah, I think it was 22 or 23 at the time. I think, yeah, because in them days, you don't play internationals like every other month the way they're doing nowadays. And there weren't banned and caps about then like they do now. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, the first, my first year at Luton, I had, uh, had a bit of a not a, had a bit of a nightmare because I got injured after we we had a training game. I had uh, I got pulled my calf and David Plate had organised a game against Arsenal uh, down at uh, Conley and uh, I ended up snapping my, my, my ligaments, so it was in plaster. So that's how I missed the rest of the season. I think I, I played the last game came on the last two games sub and then we got relegated by I think it was a point in the last game of the season. To go out and not to go into the Premier League. Yeah. But the second season was was I enjoyed the second season. I got myself fit through the summer and was raring to go. Yeah. Was was that right? It was against was it Denmark your, your, your debut? Was that right? Denmark, yeah. I think it came on for about the last twenty five minutes. I can't remember who it came on for. I think it might have been Colin Clark. It was, it was. It was, it was, it was fantastic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The adrenaline gone, you know. Oh god, yeah. I can't I can't even remember the game to from being to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. I think it just ran around. <laughs> oh, yeah. One nil in the end. Uh, Denmark nicked it. So um, yeah, I think yeah. they did. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, as I said, I mean that second season, you're in some good form for Luton, and that caught the attention of uh, Chelsea and West Ham United. And on transfer deadline day in 1993, I read that a move to Chelsea was so close that teletext had actually confirmed it was a done deal. I mean, how, how close were you to joining Chelsea? How close was it? I was uh, a signature away. That's all. Everything was done and dusted. <laughs> and, uh, everything was completely. I'd met uh, my agent. I'd spoke to Ken Bates. I'd spoke to I'd spoke to them because I ended up cheekily. I ended up. They told me to go to because Chelsea were play Chelsea reserves were playing Tottenham reserves at White Hart Lane. So I went there and I met the manager there and with my agent. And then I went down into London. But the deal was more or less done. All, everything that was agreed. The fee was agreed. The personal terms were agreed. And David Pleat pulled the plug. In the last minute, literally, I was on my way to sign, and he pulled the plug at the last minute. 
Yeah, I was, I was trying to look who, who was manager of Chelsea at the time, whether it was Harris or, or Dave Webb, I wasn't sure who it was. Dave, Dave Webb. It was Dave Webb, was it? Cause it yeah. Yeah, because that, that summer as well, Glenn Hoddle came in, didn't he, in Chelsea? So he, he would have known you from... He did, yeah. He time, did come but... in, yeah. yeah. He did, yeah. And that was close to going to West Ham just, just after that, which the deal was more or less done as well. But they were played, pulled the plug on that as well because they didn't... They There was two... Mitchell Thomas and it was... Uh, Brian Small was coming the other way and I was going to West Ham. But uh, it never happened. Well, lucky enough, it didn't happen, or else I wouldn't have been to Sunderland. Well, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, kind of a few months later, because that was the transfer deadline day. Well, the old, the old transfer deadline day. March time, wasn't it? March, April yeah. time. But then, in that summer, Terry Butcher finally got your signature uh, for Sunderland. Um, that summer in nineteen ninety three, in a move worth around eight hundred thousand, and it was actually um, the second biggest transfer of Sunderland's history at that point, only behind Don Goodman. Um, but it was a strange one actually because. I mean, I'm looking back now, and obviously you you were linked with Chelsea, who finished eleventh in the Premier League that season, and that was this moves only a few months later, and you signed for Sunderland, who finished one place and one point behind Luton, and we only we only finished one place above the relegation zone in the second tier. I mean, did did you have interest from other clubs, and was it an easy decision to move to Sunderland? Uh yeah, I did have interest. I mean, David Plate didn't want me to go. But obviously, Luton and them days couldn't turn down the money. That's why I think when it was Chelsea, it was half the money with McCartford coming back. And the other one was two players from West Ham and a little bit of money. But I think that the, the chairman and, the, and David Plate wanted just straight cash. But uh, I, I, I thought about it. There were other clubs that I could have went to, yes. Uh, but I knew Sunderland were a big club. Terry uh, Butcher had sold me the club. I met him in London a couple of times and he turned around and said that he wanted to take the club to the Premier League. Uh, he was going to sign a couple of more players and uh, he more or less sold me the club. So he did. And mm. uh, and to be honest, Sunderland should not be where they are now. They should be in the Premier League with the support that they've got and the, the club. Yeah, well, I will come back to that. I'm sure, I'm sure. but uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, actually, you mentioned a couple few players joined you because in Sunderland terms at that time, it was actually a bit of a spending spree that we went on. It was kind of you know we'd never really done that before uh, on offer quite a while. Um, Terry Butcher because he signed Alec Chamberlain, Ian Rogerson, Derek Ferguson, and Andy Melville. They all signed at the same time. I mean. But, but when you came in, you know, we had those new signings, but how did you find things on the training ground? Because it was off the back of a pretty horrendous season the year before. Uh, I mean, obviously, when when a new season starts and you bring some new players in to freshen it up a little bit, it gives everybody a little bit of a G up. But on the training ground, it, it was one of them. You, if you looked around, I mean, Sunderland still had some fantastic players. Mm. I mean, Bowley. I played against Bowie a few times. I mean, he's probably one of the hardest defenders I've ever played against. Just and things like that. He's just and obviously Dawn and you had you know, young lads like Mickey Gray and coming through and Craig Russell and Smithy and to be honest, all oh, some fantastic players. And then obviously I knew Alec through from Luton and obviously I knew he was a fantastic goalkeeper coming coming with me and. Some of the players there, I mean, you had Gordon, Gary Hours. I mean, they were all well-known good players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then when when you join, um, kind of it's a week before the start of the season. We're actually looking good, as you said. I mean, we're beating Middlesbrough in a pre-season friendly, and on the mm-hmm. journey home, you're sharing a car with all of the new signings except Alec Chamberlain, and you're involved in a serious collision where, as a result, you almost lose it. You're sighting one eye, um, and the other players in the car were also injured. I mean, how how long do you think it actually took for you to get over that? Not just physically, but mentally as well. Uh, it's it's one of them things that's I always look back and I think some some of the not stupid things that I done, but some of the things that's happened to me. It was, uh, sometimes I just can't believe it. That, that I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. But I probably, I thought I probably because I was young, I was twenty four. I probably thought to myself, put it in the back of my mind. I've, I've just got to get on with it. All I wanted to do was play football, really. And I mean, it it was a it was a couple a few months because I was still had glass in my head, and even in training when I was heading the ball, I was. I was cutting myself a little bit because we was a bit of shard of glass mm. in under my skin and things. That probably took me a couple of months, I would say, to get over it. But once I got over it, then I, I never thought about it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, were you actually still um, kind of having treatment on the opening day, or, or were you kind of an onlooker as we kind of got taken apart at the baseball ground because five nil on the opening day of the season? Yeah, and in fact, I'd done the radio that day, didn't I? Yeah, and, I, think... I mean, I'm, I mean, I must admit, there's. Uh, Terry Butcher did come in, and obviously all managers are different, but I think he told a few of the lads uh, before that game, I have a week or cut through before the game, that they didn't have the few, their futures weren't at Sunderland. Mm. And I think it, uh, obviously there was one, two, a few injured, and obviously they had to play, so it's one of them. Is your heart with the club, or are you set to leave? So I know it was a 5 nil dribbling, but mm. it was it was, it was was one of them bad day at the office, I think. Yeah, it definitely was <laughs> on the opening day. But uh, as I said, I mean, you missed the first couple of games of the season as Sunderland starts struggling. But but in September, you score your first goal for Northern Ireland against Latvia at Windsor Park in a World Cup qualifier, which which must be up there with your debut as a huge moment in your career as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously scoring your first international goal at home was fantastic. It's it's it's, it's great and things like that. It's international. It's it's your it's your country. It's it, it was. Up there, it definitely was, yeah. Yeah, but because Northern Ireland did um, kind of, they did okay in, in qualifying during the nineties. I mean, there was there was kind of up and down. But just staying with your international career, I mean, how much of a disappointment was it missing out on a kind of head to head points for the Euro ninety six qualification? That must have been kind of really it was, disappointing at the time. It was. It was. It was very disappointed. It was. It was. I think. We, I think we played through the summer that year. I think. I think it was. Yeah. We had a game in June. I think we had one in July. I think we had the win. Uh, was, it, was it Latvia away? I think we drew one each. I can't remember, but it was disappointing because obviously it would have been great to get to, I mean, to get the, a major tournament. Obviously the lads done it a couple of years ago, but we didn't, I don't think we had a, a strong enough squad sometimes, a big enough squad when I say. We had, oh, obviously it was decent players in the squad, a lot of decent players in the squad, but if we'd had maybe a bigger squad, a little bit of a bigger squad more to choose from, then it's bad. We're only little known now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you you would have had you would have had that playoff against the Republic, like uh, sorry, against against um, the Netherlands because that's who Republic of Ireland went to yep. play. But uh, but still, you never know. I mean, no, you never know. Yeah, it's amazing that you finished on the same points though. When I was looking back, it was incredible. It's not maybe quite as many international games now or windows as as they have now. But I mean, do you think looking back now, um, considering maybe how late you had that debut, you maybe could have had more than your twenty six caps that you finished with. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I felt like we were one of the managers for two years. I never, uh, there was an incident. 
we went away on a uh, end of season. We played a mini tournament in uh, Edmonton in Canada. Uh, and we think we played Mexico and Canada uh, and Chile. And there was a, an, a bit of an incident happened there in the hotel. And I got the blame for it. And I never kicked another ball international for about two or three years because of that incident. Yeah. Brian Hamilton didn't pick me again because he thought I'd done something, but it was another player. But I took the blame. Maybe, and maybe I should have stood up and said it wasn't me. It was such and such, but I wasn't the type of person to do that. I yeah. thought the person might have should have owned up. Yeah, it, it's amazing as well to think that you know, as you said. You know, Northern Ireland didn't have the biggest pool of players to pick from, and you were kind of sitting there, not doing anything during those international windows. Yeah, amazing. But um, but yeah, I mean, looking back, I mean, in that Sunderland's first season, by the November of that first season, we've lost ten out of seventeen league games, and after five defeats in a row, uh, Terry Butcher gets the, gets the sack. I mean, were you disappointed because he was the man who brought you to the club, or considering the form we you know we had at that point, did you think a change was was really needed at that point? No, I don't think so. I think he was doing it the right way. I just think uh, it just needed time. I mean, if you look at the managers now, they say people need a year, need this, need that. He brought in five different players, obviously, and he's, he's probably said to a few players that the future weren't at the club. Maybe it's the, the, the wrong thing to say. Maybe Terry Butcher maybe thinks that now, looking back, he made it, may have done it differently. But people, that's what people do. I just think he, he he didn't get enough time to jail the players together. I think it was the same players that more or less went up a couple of years later. Yeah, yeah, it was. A few yeah. changes here and there. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, when, when that change is made, I mean, Mick Buxton is promoted from reserve team manager from within to take over the first team, and we go on to win kind of six of the next nine, which kind of proves your point a little bit. Um, yeah. But but in terms of your form, I mean, you'd only scored one league goal up to that point, and then you end up top scorer with 14 by the end of the season as we go on to finish 12th and even have a little flirt with the playoffs by the end. But did he come in and ring the changes, or was it purely, it was just a different voice? I don't, I don't think so. I just think the lads started to, to jail. I think it must, I mean, as I say, I think, I think I scored, I scored my first goal on the 1st of October. Your first goal, I think, was against Leeds in the Cup. And I think that was in September. And I think your first league goal was, I think you're right. I think it was October the 1st. You're right. October the 1st. Yeah, I think it was. Because, I mean, I don't think I was getting the chance. To be honest, I don't think I was getting the chances. But then again, but I was, I was, once I got the first goal, I think it was a, it was a weight lifted off my shoulders, I think. And then I think I went on, as I said, I went on to score 14 that year, which obviously for a striker coming in that got 20 the year before, should be really looking to get 20. But it was, as I said, the the accident, not that I'm blaming the accident, but yeah. other bits in the different players and things like that. Yeah, just double checked and your first goal was against Leeds and... Your first league goal was uh, Peterborough United on the second of October. So second um, of October. Yeah, so that was that, that was my birthday first then. <laughs> yeah, that was my um, birthday. So I must have turned just. I was at a 24, 20, 24 just turned then, or twenty five. Yeah, so then those those are your first two goals because there there was some big uh, cup ties against Leeds that we we won four two on aggregate because that was kind of the frustrating thing. We played really well in those two games against Leeds, but we just couldn't seem to get going in the league. No, I know. Yeah, you go and you go and play Leeds United home and away, and you beat them. And yet you go and some of the smaller clubs, and you struggle. But we we always knew when clubs came to Walker Park, 
like even when when Luton used to go to Luca Park, the twenty odd thousand, and that was sometimes their cup finals. Mm. That's the way some teams operated. I think they'd sit back and mm. they'd be asked if we couldn't break them down within twenty minutes. Sometimes the crowd used to get on our back a little bit. And I can remember some days during the winter months where the crowd were quite low because it was that cold and mm. it was bitter, and the crowd couldn't get us up a little bit, but. <laughs> It just sometimes, if you di- if you didn't break them down within 20 minutes, especially at home, I think we played better sometimes away from home yeah, that, I, that year. Yeah, I always remember that, uh, that following the Leeds game, we we drew Aston Villa in the League Cup, and I always remember that that Mark Bosnich performance. Where <laughs> remember the look in your face at times when Mark Bosnich. I've never seen. I don't think I've ever played in a game <laughs> where I think a goalkeeper has been. I, I, I was, it could have been. We could, could have been four. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it was 4-1 uh, Aston Villa in the end I think Ron Atkinson said after that they were ham- we hammered them yeah we did and he was unbelievable wasn't it I mean, yeah. I mean I think I scored and I think I couldn't have got it anymore in the corner but some of the saves he pulled off that game was frightening brilliant game but yeah I mean the, the following season you, you only miss four league games and, and finishes as top scorer again for a second successive season but we follow a similar pattern with Mick Buxton who struggles in his first full season and after a, a run of one win in seven he gets the sack as well which means you're now onto your third manager in less than two years at Sutherland um, that's right and it ends up being uh, Peter Reid who takes up the job uh, with seven games left to keep us up I mean it seems like a bit of a revolving door and, and he comes in and only loses one of those seven uh, it seemed like, you know, from the outside, he gave everyone an immediate lift. I mean, was that the case? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Was he was he the complete opposite to, to Mick Buxton? Was it kind of an opposite character? Yep. But he brought, he brought in uh, Sacco, his number two. Hmm. He was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So he was a, he was a fantastic coach. He done a, he gave, me, gave me a lot of confidence and things like that. It's like, it's like uh, when I was at Luton under David Plate, John Moore, who was... A, David Plate's number two was they were they were both out of the same mould, same sort of coaches, and both of them done fantastic for my career. Yeah, I mean, and when when Peter Reid gets into that summer, he only really adds uh, Paul Bracewell and John Mullen in terms of the playing staff. But I mean, during that summer, even though he, he only added those two, really, did it did it feel like we were in a better place in the previous two seasons, even though we had pretty much the same players? Yes, it did because he, he he brought in Brace. Which was he was brilliant. I mean, Brace just knitted the team together. Obviously, an old head. He'd won the league, won the FA Cup, played at the highest level. Brace just brought the, brought the whole team together. He was just he was fantastic. Brace. Yeah, he he lifted. I think he got uh, Player of the Month for the first two or three months. <laughs> That's he probably did. Yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> he was, especially the injury troubles he'd had and the stage of his career. He was unbelievable. That yeah. Yeah, he was. I mean, the other thing that going into that summer, you're going into the last year of your contract. I mean, at that point, did you start to have any thoughts? Even though it was Peter Reid was in charge and he was improving things, did you have any thoughts about your future, or did you start having any conversations with the club about that situation? I did. Yeah, I'd started uh, negotiations before the last couple of games of the the season that he came in. Because hmm. he had said, uh, if we stay up. And whatnot. I know you're in the final, coming into your final year. Uh, I'll look after you. But obviously, nothing happened that year. So I was going into my final year, and obviously, my agent was talking to the gaffer and the chairman, and they were saying, "Yes, we'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. We'll sort it out." 
and then it come to a head around about the Christmas time when I was going into probably the final last six months of my contract and they said his hands were tied. Mm. So and that's when obviously I had to decide from because it's my own future. Yeah, I mean, because that, that season, I mean, you were pretty much never present up, up until around March. And then, uh, well, two of those games up till up to March were those uh, third round FA Cup games against Manchester United at Old Trafford and then the replay at Rucker Park. I mean, I thought we'd done enough at Old Trafford, but then Cantona popped up and then yep. you give us the lead in the replay at Roker. And I thought it was going to be one of those special nights at Roker, but they pulled it back and won 2-1. I imagine those were great games to play in, but it was just a case of what could have been really. It was. They were fantastic games to play in. We're obviously going to play at Old Trafford. And as you're right, yes, we probably should have finished them off there. But obviously, Eric Cantona, that's what he's famous for. And uh, at Ruger Park, I think I think we were better than them that, that evening. They just mm. probably better finishers. And I mean, just kept going, just kept going and going and going, kept prodding and prodding and prodding. And that's what happens. Last minute, they get the winner. Yeah, we, we we were brilliant in that first half. And, and just a typical Manchester night, you could just see them turning the screw the last 15 yeah. minutes. <laughs> it's just... Just a sign of a fantastic team, but but the form we were on, I mean, we we would have given anybody a game at that point. Yeah, I think uh, the team that we grew a lot of confidence. We we all honestly thought we could beat most teams. Yeah, I mean, and as the season goes on, we we get to kind of February March time, and we we end up. Um, I mean, we took Shea given on loan, and we end up going on that incredible run of within nine games in a row and go top of the league. Um, but your contract situation still isn't resolved, as you said. I mean, so. By kind of February, March, you said, you know, you got the word at Christmas that his, his hands were tied. I mean, were you then looking elsewhere or were you still trying to negotiate with the club? Still trying to negotiate with the club. I wanted to stay because I probably knew that we were going to go into the Premier League and I wanted to stay. I wasn't, I, I told my agent, don't really want to go anywhere else. So we negotiate, were you actually negotiating with them or with the club just saying, yeah. no, nope. that, that's nope. it? no. Nope. Just, they, they weren't saying anything. They said, I'm going to wait till the end of the season, wait till, wait till see where we are. Mm. I says, okay, fair enough. But I still didn't put the feelers out. Obviously, my agent was coming to me and saying, oh, such and such and such and such and such and such. But I wasn't I wasn't interested, really. Yeah, because, I mean, the other thing to throw in the mix towards the end of that season, you, you ended up getting a, a groin injury and needed an operation. Was that the point where you thought that, that things had kind of, you might have played your last game for Sunderland or were you still yeah, hoping... Yeah, I actually did because obviously I think it was way at Birmingham, I think. I tore my, my groin and I had I needed to have an operation. And I actually thought then that this is probably my last game because I knew I wasn't going to come back after I'd done it and I needed the operation. Uh, and obviously I think it was my last game. Mm. It was my last game because I think, I, I don't know if I think I missed the last four games, I think. I think four or five games, I think. Yeah, you missed the season, uh... I think. Yeah, you missed the last uh, the last run of games, but I was going to mention. I think I was trying to think whether it might have been your last goal. I think it was, but that uh, that goal against uh, Grimsby, which was which was live on the television, I think. Oh yeah, uh, I think that one that was from about forty yards. I think wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, just inside, uh, just inside. Just inside the D, was it? Yeah, I can I can remember seeing the goalkeeper off his line. I'm yeah. thinking to myself, I'm going to have a go here. Pretty sure, I, I, might, I might have to double check, but I'm fairly certain that was your last goal for the club. But uh, a pr- pretty good way to sign off if that was the case. Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, again, you, you got that injury at the at the end and you'd had those two years of, of kind of, you know, when Sunderland was struggling. And then we had that season where you played the majority of it. I mean, were you able to, 
were you involved in the the celebrations and kind of getting involved that way or or were you kind of kind of taking yourself out of that i did and i didn't obviously because you missed the last few games of the season and you still obviously aren't crowned champions i think we were quite well in front by then i think because i think everything went for us because uh, i think we had a, a run of games that were called off and i think it was derby and leicester that was second and third i think and uh I think they drew a few games and lost one or two. And then we still had about three or four games in hand. And I think we were second or still top. Mm-hmm. And then we went on it. But it is a little bit, you miss the last games and you don't you don't sometimes feel part of it if you, if you don't play the last few games of the season. I, know, I, think I, I think I played 36 or 38 games that year. Uh, but I was a little bit, because obviously the con- my contract still hadn't been sorted out. And the contract had been going back for... That the contract negotiations were going back even with Mick Buxton because uh, it was a few other clubs after the first year, a few clubs came in for me the second year, but I didn't want to leave. And I told Mick Buxton that I didn't want to leave the club. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean even when Sunderland were confirmed in the Premier League, um, I mean, had you already signed on the dotted line? I think it was Nancy who you signed for first. No, I hadn't signed a thing. I didn't sign until I didn't sign for them until the I think it was the second of August, second of August, second or third of August. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't. So I'd done all preseason that year. I went back for preseason training just with Sunderland. They right. did offer. They did offer me a contract. No, they did. Oh, they did okay. offer me a contract. They offered me. They offered me two years, and I wanted. I wanted three years. Right, and then you signed on the dotted line for. I think. I think it was Nancy. Was that right in the end? Uh yeah, it was. But I. I, I, I because it was I was I was when that was when the Bosnum came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could have left. I as soon as I left on the I left on the first of August. As soon as that on a free transfer, mm-hmm. and I went over there. There was a couple of clubs that uh, I could have went to, mm-hmm. but uh, I ended up going to them. Was it? Uh, is it a little bit of a regret maybe that you didn't have a go at the Premier League? Definitely, yeah. especially with Sunderland. Like, you... I wanted to stay. I, I, I wanted to stay, but I just. I should have, realistically, I should have signed the two years. Yeah. But I was a bit headstrong then, and I wanted three years because I wanted to stay at some point. Yeah. And in the Premier League, you know, once, you know, we, we did sign Nal Quinn, but once Nal Quinn got injured, we, we actually struggled to, to score goals <laughs> that season. Yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe more options up top, you know, would have helped us that season. But uh... Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can remember speaking to Peter Reid, and I think he, he had a little bit of a go at me. Uh, and he turned around, rang me, and turned around and says, uh, "If you'd have stayed, I think we might have stayed up. You could have got us a couple of a couple of goals in, in different areas that probably would have kept us up." That's one of them things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you did sign for for Nancy, and then I think you you, you signed in the same season for Fortuna Sittard as well. I mean, how how did you find playing abroad in that season? Uh, France was fantastic. I didn't enjoy Holland. France, uh, I went there, done quite well considering. Uh, didn't play long because it was uh, it was the year that they were hosting the World Cup and they kept playing because they were hosts and I was called out quite a lot for international so I didn't play too many games for them and then uh, for some strange reason that uh, uh, a Dutch club came in for me and they said we want to buy you and that was it three or four days later I'm on my way to Holland. <laughs> But in hindsight, I should have stayed in France because the football is far better yeah, yeah. and it suited my game far better in France than it did 
in Holland. Yeah, I was going to say, was it the style of football? Was it was it more slower? Was it a slower pace? In, in oh, was, yeah, yeah, it was much slower, much much slower. I mean, and, uh, the attitude was if you went away from home and you came, and you came away with a nil nil draw, it was fantastic. Where it was like not great, and if they, if the other team didn't pressure, then you'd just keep the ball and wouldn't want to penetrate their back line or anything like that. I'd just be happy to come away with uh, with a draw. And it really didn't suit in my game at all. Well, man, if you had stayed with Sunderland, I think you would have been really celebrating nil-nil away draws that season in the Premier League. I think, uh, I think like, so, yeah. It was like winning the cup when we got a draw away from home that year. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, you you you, kept, you returned to to Luton, and then you had spells with Burnley and Oxford United before you retired mm-hmm. in, in two thousand and five after a few years in non league. Did you have any thoughts that you wanted to stay in football after you stopped playing? Uh, I did, I did, because I went into because I went to Maidenhead with John Dreyer as like a player coach. Mm. I didn't really, I didn't really play. I think I sat in the bench. I think they've got me down for about. 60 appearances or something like that. <laughs> I think I came off the bench twice. <laughs> but we were assistant manager. Uh, I was, he was a manager and I was assist, like player coach. And uh, we were on our way to training once. And we'd done well the first year. We'd get them, I think we had to finish 10th. And the, the, the leagues were splitting then. So there was like, the, I don't know what to call the leagues, but they were going together. So it was a bit of a... A good season for them because it never finished higher than I think it was fifteenth or something or something like that. But what we done is I got a couple of uh, loan players in from Oxford because Ian Atkinson, obviously at Sunderland, I knew Aki from Sunderland, and he was a manager at Oxford then. So he gave us a couple of loan players and we done quite well. But we were on our way into training uh, one night and uh, they rang John up and told him he was sacked on the phone. And then they said, "Is Philip there?" And he passed the phone. They passed the phone to me, and they offered me the job. And I just turned around, turned around and said, "No, I'm not taking the job." And that was the end of that. After that, I thought to myself, "I don't want to go down them in that route." Kind of in terms of professional football, was was that your kind of last involvement? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It wasn't dead. Yeah, on my, uh, my own career. Yeah. I mean, just just looking back as we've just gone through the Sunderland days, I mean, considering, you know, as a whole, you were at Sunderland for a couple of years where we struggled. And actually, when I look back, someone might tell us I'm wrong, but you have the 11th best goals per game record of any Sunderland player of the last 40 years. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, but uh, considering (laughs) considering we struggled for a lot of it, I mean, how do you look back on your time at Sunderland generally as a whole? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Best three three years of my football career. Yeah. So it was. The crowd, the stadium. I was a little bit disappointed that that it didn't move to the new stadium as well. Mm. That was a bit hurtful as well for me. Yeah. Did you find it frustrating at all? Because I mean, right at the beginning, you rattled off. I mean, a lot of good players. I mean, one one player you you mentioned was Don Goodman, who you originally parted up front. I mean, he he had the sixth best goal scoring record of, of the last forty years. I mean, fantastic player. But was it a, was it kind of a frustration that? Sunderland didn't kick on earlier in your time at Rotherham. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, because, uh, I mean, I don't know if I can't answer for Dom, but I don't know if Dom wanted to leave or his head was turned about Wolves because going back down or he just wanted to leave Sunderland. But it was, uh, obviously, me and Dom, really three different players. Maybe we didn't hit it off straight away, but I think if, if, if we'd have maybe had another six months, year together, I think we'd have done quite well together. I think 
Mm. Being Don. Yeah. Fantastic person and player, Don. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. And that was kind of the frustration that we knew we had a, a couple of players up top who could score goals. I mean, getting consistently double figures for a team that was just surviving relegation. You know, you've got good players, but it's kind of just puzzling. You know why? Why we didn't put things in place? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit disappointing that we didn't get like between one get twenty, one get fifteen, seventeen, eighteen, and then things like that. Then you you would have been pushing top top three, top four, top five. And when your centre forwards get twenty and seventeen and eighteen, and then obviously your your midfield players chip in. But I mean, some of them had some fantastic players coming through: mm. Greg Russell and Martin Smith, and obviously Michael Bridges. Yeah, 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 yeah. Broke broke through that that season towards the end of that season. He did indeed, yeah. yeah. Opening goal in the fog that nobody saw. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so bend away, wasn't it? Yeah, d- didn't didn't realise it had scored until all the players were running back through the fog, telling us. Yeah, uh, we were at the opposite end. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you you mentioned the new stadium. A lot's changed over the last kind of twenty four years since since you left. I mean, but but what are your thoughts on the position of the club at the moment? Oh, I, 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 I don't want to look sometimes. Mm. I don't want, I, I mean, obviously, I look for the result every week that they're playing. And just sometimes it, you just think, oh, how have they got to, to there? Mm. How have they got there? I mean, Man City has done it and other, other teams have done it. And you just think that one day, you just hope that they will be back in the big time in the Premier League. Yeah. During, during that time, I mean, we talked about it there, that, you saw firsthand the club turn from relegation candidates to a title-winning team over the course of kind of less than 12 months. I mean, do you think sometimes it just takes the right character at the right time to just lift things and get things going? I think so. I think it does. I think somebody can walk in there and just see things that other people don't see. And just obviously, whether it's their training methods on the pitch, the way that the style of play, the personnel that they've got, the, the coaches that they've got around them. And some people... I just just do things like that. I think Peter Reid was one of them with uh, Bobby Sexton. I think Peter Reid, as soon as he walked through the door, I think he, everybody knew that they had to be on the best, at their best, week in, week out, or else they were going to be left out. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's obvious, is it, when the bar's raised and you've got to lift it. Mm-hmm. It's like he brought in uh, David Kelly and whatnot. Yeah. So he did, and you just got to up your game. I mean, uh, do, you, do you get back up to the to the stadium a lot? Have you been very often? I've been a few times. I've been a few times, but uh, I haven't been as much as I'd like to have been. Mm, yeah, it's a bit do of a ever, drag. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever do you have any uh, golf days out with uh, with the lads who were there at Sunderland or anything like I, that? I, I don't actually. I'm, I'm not really the only person who I'm really in contact with at Sunderland is uh, Andy Melville. Really, mm. I speak to Mel uh, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, he doesn't live far from me. He lives just outside Oxford. Well, be it be. Brilliant uh, to see you back at the stadium. Like, hopefully, it'll be brilliant to see anybody at the stadium. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. It'll be good when when the yeah. crowds get back in. And yeah. just hopefully, uh, next season they can they can go on a good run and get out of that division. Let's hope so. That's what we need. We need one. But thank you very much for your time, Phil. It's been an absolute pleasure. Not a problem. Not a problem, Chris. We really appreciate it because it's on an evening where it's about 40 degrees. I will let you go and enjoy whatever sunshine is left outside. Yeah, I'll go and sit outside, cool off a bit. I'm absolutely soaking. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, so I'm right. I know I'm sitting here. Brilliant. <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. 
flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.